Well, for those of you that uh, have been here every week for the last few, or were here last week, I should say, we were, we've jumped into Acts chapter 6, and um, we've been going through the book of Acts, as you know, um, and we're looking at today again at the attributes of service, the attributes of service specifically full of the Spirit today. Last week, we, we looked at a good reputation, the importance of uh, if, we're, if we're called to Christ and we're to, or not just called to serve, we're all called to serve. All of us should have these attributes, by the way. But as we will we'll see in this Acts chapter 6, this is specifically looking at folks and saying, who are we going to select to lead uh, in, in, the, in a, this particular type of service? And the first one, of course, was having a good reputation. And we talked also about having a good reputation, not just inside the church, but outside the church, you know, amongst those that uh, either are not believers or are believers. Um, it is so important. We represent Christ when uh, we're out in the public. And uh, so it's important to keep in mind your reputation. Let's pray, and then we'll read the scripture, and we're going to look at this this attribute today of being full of the Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that you would give uh, wisdom to this message. Father, by your Holy Spirit, you're the one that can speak into the hearts of people. You can reach deep in. You can cut to the, down into the bone and the marrow and speak to each of us where we both, all of us need to be, each of us need to be spoken to. You know exactly what it is that each of us need to hear today, and we're, we came today expecting. And we look forward to what you're going to have to say to us, and we pray that we'll respond to it as well, in that, Father, we will be brothers and sisters in Christ with a good reputation, full of the Spirit, and next week we will look at being full of wisdom. So help us today as we look at this particular attribute of being full of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read the scripture, and then I'm going to just share with you what, how I've been wrestling with this throughout the week. Acts chapter 6, I'm using an English Standard Version Bible, and um, here's what it says. Let me just preface this with the fact that, of course, there's, there's thousands of people coming to Christ all in a very short period of time. We, have no, how, we don't really know specifically how long, but not a very long period of time. And they're trying to take care of one another, and, and there's a problem that arises. And uh, here we go with, with, with chapter 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists which we said last week, these are Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews, the Hebrews that spoke Aramaic. And so the Hellenists bring a complaint, they say, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Our widows are missing out, folks, and we're concerned about that. And so we're speaking up on behalf of them. And so then verse 2 says, And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, the full number, I wonder how many of that they were, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, 
Pick out from among you seven men of good repute or with a good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. We said last week again that Nicholas, a proselyte, means a Greek, this is a Greek person, Nicholas was, becoming a believer in the Jewish religion. So they sat, then they, these they sat before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, much like we did this morning in a sense, uh, laying hands on folks, that happened a lot. We did that this morning with Ryan, asking, looking for direction. We say, well, come on up here. Let's lay hands on you because God will then is going to speak to you and give you direction. Laying hands does something. It does something. Supernatural, I believe. And it sets people apart, especially for service. So they, they prayed and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, having a great reputation, a good reputation, now we're talking about being full of the Spirit. We could go on a series of sermons and messages. We could have Bible studies, and, and there have been numerous ones, to do with being filled or being full of the Holy Spirit. There are so many dynamics in this. Today, I want us to specifically kind of hone in on this selection of these seven men and what, what caused them to select them. What, what did they see in these men that caused them to select them? So that's where I'm going to kind of hone in on and, and what you will hear, I believe, is something that God wants all of us to have, that people will look at us and see what they saw in these men. Now, uh, another point I want to make, I'm not going to necessarily preach on this, just make the point. As we come next week to our ladies' meeting to talk about ladies' ministry, women in the, in the church, and we're going to meet and talk about the deaconess ministry, alliance women that we have, hospitality, how women, women work with the men, how deaconesses work with deacons. Now we're not going to cover all that next week. But um, as we look at that, we're also looking at the uh, uh, selection process. So I want you to keep that in mind. And as I got caught up in thinking about that, I lost my train of thought. I need Prevagen, as, uh, as uh, I was told this morning, to help my memory. But um, so let me get back on track and, and talk to you about this selection process. But specifically, what caused them to pick these seven men? Oh, I know what I was going to say now, my train of thought, come back. Is that before these men were selected, they were within the group. They were there, all gifted, but not put to work. Do you understand that? In other words, they're amongst the congregation. They have the qualities of service, 
but they're not put to service. They're not set apart. They don't have hands laid on them. They don't have an appointment to a, a work. A problems rise up. They speak up. They say, well, let's, let's find those that are qualified. And they give three attributes, and they pick seven men. What I'm going to say, I say that to say this, that amongst our men and amongst our women, when we go to look to, to select those that are going to lead these ministries, not, not necessarily serve in the ministry, but lead them, you're amongst us. You're here. You're here. And we want to draw you out, set you up in front of the church, and lay hands on you and appoint you to service. Being full of the Spirit. Yeah, we can go in all directions. I want to give you... Uh, the idea that being full of the Spirit is, a, is going a step beyond when we first come to Christ being sealed in the Spirit. Now, let me just, I don't want to get too caught up. Like I say, we, we can get so broad here, we'll never end it. And we'll be smelling the food and want to get over there to eat. Um, but in the beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, it, it's, talk, it's talking in there that when we come to Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, our relationship with Christ will be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me read the verses from Ephesians 1.13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In other words, being sealed in the Spirit, when we accept Christ, Christ then comes to us and immediately he says, okay, you are mine, and I am going to seal that relationship. And that seal cannot be broken until you're taken into glory and accepted into my arms. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us. What the work that he begins when we make our commitment to Christ, the Bible tells us he will see it to completion. Now, we fall and we fail and we trip up and we get discouraged. And that's why we get gathered in the church to be encouraged. We, we, we be, we're exhorted sometimes. We're loved. Grace is poured out on us. And we stay on track, but God himself seals us at the beginning of our relationship with Christ. But let me read you from, a, from a, what it says in a commentary of mine about being full of the Holy Spirit. It says this, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a step beyond the sealing of the Holy Spirit. So we come to Christ. You've accepted Christ. I pray that you have. And if you haven't, you can accept him today. Make today the day of your salvation. So it's a step beyond the sealing. Sealing is an action God took at the point of your new birth. The filling that we see in Ephesians 5.18, which let me not go by without reading that. I want you to turn to Ephesians 5.18. And if we don't get through all this 
stuff that I'm thinking about this morning. We'll just close in prayer and we'll come back to it another time. It's important that we get this idea so that we can have this good reputation and that we can be filled with the Spirit and understand what it is. So Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. It doesn't say don't drink wine. It says don't get drunk with wine. Because that leads to debauchery, bad things. But be filled with the Spirit. And then, when you're filled, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. But be filled with the Spirit. This What it means in that is that it's a moment-by-moment repeatable action. Being filled with the Spirit in the the context of that word, being filled, I don't want to get into all the Greek and all that, but just to know that it means it's repeatable. Sealed is one time. Being filled is repeatable. And it's and then here it is it is something the apostle Paul commands the believers at Ephesus to do. In other words, not all Christians are spirit filled, but all have been sealed. Listen, if you're here this morning, you've given your life to Christ. You are sealed. Now, being filled is a step beyond that. And in the selection of these men, there was something seen in them that demonstrated that they were men that were filled because that was the selection requirement. We want you to look amongst yourselves for men of a good reputation and full of the Spirit. So they've, they've gone past the first step of being sealed and they've gone into the area of being filled repeatedly. How does that work? In other words, how does it work? Well, you're repeating a filling today by coming to church, by worshiping Him, by receiving prayer, by coming and sometimes confessing your sin and then receiving a blessing of grace and mercy through us, through your church family, ultimately from God. That is a repeatable event through your own prayer life. When you get down on your knees through your devotions, it's repeatable. You wake up in the morning, you slept overnight, you had dreams that you didn't like, you go in your devotional area, wherever that is in your closet, and you say, oh, Lord, my mind wasn't too good last night. And you, you, you know you're sealed, but now we're going to say, Lord, I need to be filled up. And I'm going to press into God because God's just waiting to press into you. So not all Christians are spirit-filled, but all have been sealed. And Ephesians 4.30 says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We've talked about this several times over the last coming months. Uh, We have Tim and Ron that that speak in in my stead, and Tim has preached many messages on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And what, what we're all saying is, is that we can grieve him. We can grieve God. The Holy Spirit is like a person. Were you grieved this week at all? Was anything happened, something said to you, something that, uh, that rose up, and your spirit was grieved? Well, God is like him, 
like that, like you. He gets grieved like that, and he withdraws. Now, he can't leave you because you're sealed permanently until he takes you home. But you can grieve him. When he presses in, you can say, I don't want to hear that. When he says, now give that up, you say, no, I won't. When he says, go that direction, you say, no, I'm going to go this direction. And God wants us to press in. And when we press in, he presses into us. And he says, this is it. This is for you. And um, remember the old movie, The Chariots of Fire? When, when, when the Scottish runner was running and he said, I feel God's pleasure when I run. I feel his pleasure. When we're not grieving him, when we're right in the center of his will, we have a sense of his pleasure. And yet I believe you know that. We all know that. But when we go in another direction, disobedient, it changes the very quality that caused these folks to select these men. Full of the Spirit. Now let me just make this other point about being sealed and being sealed one time. Romans chapter 8 Verse 9 tells us that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So you don't get the Spirit of Christ and be born again and be sealed in him and then lose him. All of a sudden you've lost him, but you can sure grieve him. So for today, let's go and look at the evidence that they looked at. And that's, that's brought up. In, in Acts, uh, let me see, chapter 7. I mean, chapter, chapter 6, verse 15. This is, this, is, this, is, this is why I'm suggesting to you today that they selected these men. Because they saw, this is what they saw in them, 6.15. And gazing at him, Stephen, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. He had a countenance about him that caused the group to select him. Now I'm suggesting to you, he's the one named as a face of an angel, but I'm suggesting to you that having a good reputation and being full of the Spirit changes your countenance. And these men's countenances were changed and it was documented at the end of chapter 6 regarding Stephen. Now, to help us understand this, the face of an angel, the countenance changing, and that causing us to realize this man, this woman, has been in the presence of God. They, yeah, I, that's why they have a, full, a good reputation because I see something in them that I don't necessarily see in all people because all my Christian brothers and sisters, if they've given their lives to Christ, are sealed in the Spirit, but not of all taken the repeated steps to be full. And when we take the repeated steps to be full, it will change your countenance. You will look different. Your eyes will lighten up. Your eyes will glow. Your face will look different, more radiant than, than, than it is when we're disobedient and we know we're, we know we're running the wrong direction. You can't have that countenance. You can't have the face of an angel 
when you're living and facing a, a, a lifestyle that's wrong, that grieves God. So to help us understand that, I want you to go and look at Moses. Many of you will be familiar with this story, but Moses, Exodus 34, if you want to turn there, Moses in Exodus chapter 34, when Moses went up to visit God on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, verse 29 tells us of, of Exodus 34, 29, if you're there, he says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony, this is the, the law that he had in his hands, remember that God wrote, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. Now the ESV says, because he had been talking with God. He had a talk with God. Now he was there for several days talking with God in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, alone with God. And when he came down, he didn't realize that his face shone because he'd been talking with God. And so he put a veil over his face because it was too much for the people to receive. He, it was too much. Shining like the sun. And another example of this shining and this countenance that happens is you see it in Jesus. Now I want you to go to Matthew chapter 17. When Jesus, chapter 17, is my title of this chapter, it says the transfiguration. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And they heard God say, this is my beloved son, says down in a few verses down, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. And verse 6 says, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Why? Because his face shone like the sun. His clothes were bright. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. That's all they saw. They didn't see Moses. They didn't see Elijah. They saw Jesus only. This transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus could have appeared like that at any time to his disciples. At any time. I read an interesting sermon it was written, I think it was written, uh, uh, preached uh, in a, about 1890. So I know it's a long time. Pauline always tells me, why don't you get something new? You know, some of these old things like this. But this is by a man by the name of Albert Lewis Banks. And he's talking about a radiant personality. That's what the title of the sermon was. I think I could have probably read this sermon to you this morning. It's, and, and, and it would have ministered to you too. But... He says something about this. He's using these, these actual scriptures that I've just used, but he also uses 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to let you go home and study that. Go home and study 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and just study that whole uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and you'll, you'll see this, this, this talk, talk to you. 
for the sake of today, I'm going to let you, I want you to go home and study it. But here's what he says about, remember, leaning into God, about being obedient to God, about pressing into him because he wants to press into you so that you can have this radiant personality, have this quality, this attribute of the fullness of the spirit, this countenance that caused them to select these men. He says, whoever masters your soul will in the end make your personality bear witness to him. Whoever masters your soul, it's a good question. Who has mastery over your soul? And if it's Jesus Christ and his love and by the power of the Holy Spirit being full of him, Christ in you, the Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that it will, you, you can't help but bear witness to him. He goes on to say, but if Christ is your Lord, or he says, you cannot escape the grip of your master. If sin is your master, in the end you will be his living, moving monument. But if Christ is your Lord, and from the profound depths of your soul you're loyal to him, out from the, and I love this term, make a note of this, that out, out from that whole, W-H-O-L-E, that whole souled loyalty to Christ, there will come a glorious light on your face and your whole personality will become radiant and bear witness to the Lord whom you serve, a whole souled loyalty to Christ will change your countenance. And it comes because when you press into him, into Christ, Christ will make you holy. Be holy because I am holy. He talks about the radiance of a perfectly pure heart, which was seen in Jesus. And then he makes this note about Jesus, and I want to take the time to read this. It's just a, just a few sentences. Thinking about his transfiguration, why didn't he do that all the time? Because they just fell on their face, remember? They couldn't even look at him. And he makes this point. The transfiguration of Jesus was not a miracle. It was not a miracle on that mountain, but a witness of the abiding presence, presence of Christ's divinity, his whole being shone. If he had been outwardly true to what he bore within him, he would have been seen always with his glory unveiled. It would have been about him. It would have been about him in the manger at Bethlehem, a transfigured baby, glowing. He said, in his home in Nazareth, he would have been a transfigured boy. It would have shone about him during his ministry in Galilee, a transfigured man. And at the last on Calvary's cross, a transfigured sufferer. For our sake, Christ veiled the outward glory that he might live, us, live among us as one, friend to friend, right? But for a moment on that mountaintop with these close friends about him, the inner glory shone forth in his face and the disciples fell on the ground before the radiance of that light. The three things that, that are important to your countenance, he points out here, is a pure heart, which you get from leaning into him, that loyalty, that whole, that whole soul 
loyalty to Christ will give you a, a holy, spirit-filled heart, which will give you a pure heart, a pure heart. And then considering, he says, divine associations. Now, you know what that means, right? It means you, 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 you check who you're with, who you're hanging out with. Some people just will drain the life out of you because they don't have the life of Christ in them. Now, let's make it absolutely clear. We have friends and family and lost ones and loved ones that need to know Christ, that have not given their lives to Christ. We need to spend time with them so in order for them to receive Christ. But man, you've got to get prayed up. And then as soon as you're done with that visit, you've got to get back to be filled up. And when you are in that visit, you take your Bible with you and you, you have the scriptures in mind to bring because the word of God is what's going to convert somebody, not you. So the divine associations, and then he says, and the whole soul loyalty to Jesus Christ. And he says, I say all of these are within our reach. If the heart is hard and selfish and sinful, bring it to God at the mercy seat. And he'll take out of your breast the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Surrender yourself to do his will, to obey him, and he will cleanse your heart of all unrighteousness. With sin banished, you shall realize the promise of Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All right, that's enough for today. I'm going to have stuff here, but... If you, if you have an Alliance Life magazine, some of you get this mailed to you, check out this last month's, this last uh, one from September, actually September, October 2020. Check out this. It's on about the spirit-filled life. It's got devotions in here by A.B. Simpson and Tozer and others. And if you don't get the magazine, you can go online at cmalliance.org, look up Alliance Life, and you can get these articles on the magazine. I encourage you to get it, to go read it, to study it, to pray over it, press in. They selected these men because they saw a divine countenance in them, a face like an angel. Yeah, I said I was going to close. I realized when I studied this that I had just been on two weeks of vacation, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And when I came back from two weeks of vacation, I realized I didn't have the same sense of his presence as close to me as when I'm here and I'm in his word all the time. If I sit down with you, I want the word in front of me. Now, it wasn't that I didn't look at the Word while I was on vacation. I did. I would look, and then I'd go for my walk, and I'd meditate on it. But there is a whole lot of difference versus that. And I am blessed to be able to do that. Not all of you can. So as, as much as you can, take some time for that whole soul devotion to Jesus Christ. And his, as your loyalty to him and you're leaning into him, gets greater and greater, your countenance will become changed. And people will say, 
Wow, I think those people have been with Jesus. Because they'll see it. You can't hide it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every one of us that we would know that, Lord, you love us so much. And, Father, for those of us, if we've given our lives to you, Lord, we, we just claim we know we're sealed in the Spirit. But we pray that we take these additional steps and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, Father, if there's anybody in here today that doesn't know you personally, oh, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, or anyone that would ever listen to this message online, just know that Jesus Christ loves you, that he came to this earth and died for you, gave his life for you. And he says, come to me, all of you that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you life and to life to the full. Oh, Lord, help us to have a good reputation. And Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship him.